0: with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.imturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at Turkey Hitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 213, three random turkey hunting topics. Or if you want to call it this, another pot of turkey mulligan stew. And I am your host and the guy who overate twice on Thanksgiving Day. And the guy who almost broke a trencher and (laughs) the guy who went deer hunting for the first time this season. Yes, that's what happens when I get a little time off of work and away from the computer screen and the telephone. I overeat, I break stuff, and I try to kill things. So we are 107 days, 12 hours, 43 minutes, and one whole second away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. (laughs) So I'm gonna tell you those stories here very quickly. Fortunately for me, all of my family and all of my wife's family both are in town, local. The reason I say fortunately is because It's really nice on the holidays to not have to travel. And for those of you who travel on the holidays to go be with loved ones or friends, then you know it stinks. It is not any fun. But the downside to having both families in town is that you have to do each holiday two times. So Thursday at lunch, we went to my parents' house and had lunch there. We packed up around three o'clock. And drove to my wife's niece's house because she was hosting Thanksgiving for my wife's side of the family. And I had to eat dinner. And when I say I had to eat, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I didn't have to eat. No one held a gun to my head. But when they started uncovering dishes, (laughs) all of a sudden I got hungry again. So that was Thursday. Friday morning, I loaded up and went to the new hunting camp where... My dad, my oldest brother, and one of our good friends and fellow hunting club members, Rocco, were working trying to get the water line installed to our trailer that we use for our hunting camp and to get the sewer line run from the trailer to the septic tank, or maybe I should say the septic tank line run. So fortunately, for us, my very frugal father decided to splurge and rent a trencher. And the trencher, I'm not going to say was wearing him out because he was handling it pretty well. But when I got there, I took over after he jumped off to go take care of another issue. And I was operating the trencher on the side of a hill. And the, <laughs> the instructions for the trencher indicate that it is not to be operated on greater than a, I believe it was a 15% incline. Well, I now know why. Because I think I was operating it on a 15.5% incline. And one of the tracks on the trencher almost came off. And we had to use a tow strap, my pickup truck, and almost a full can of WD-40 to get it back on the machine properly so that we could even move it. The machine wouldn't even move because the track was binding against the body of the machine. And that's where the WD-40 came in handy. So that ended up being a much bigger ordeal than it needed to be. But we got it fixed. We got our water hooked up. We got our poo pipe hooked up. And we have us a real live hunting camp now because the power has been hooked up for a week or so. Once we got all of that done Friday, Saturday morning I woke up and went to the woods to the new hunting property and hunted Saturday morning and I did not see a deer but I heard a turkey gobble and probably like most of you that's enough. I could have just left and gone home at that point and it would have been the greatest day ever. Well maybe not ever but pretty close. So all in all over the long holiday weekend it was a very nice time. I enjoyed spending time with friends and family just like I'm supposed to. Just like the holiday is all about. And I got to take some time to recharge after a couple, actually it was more than a couple. It's been several rough weeks of work. So I got to relax a little bit, unwind, and enjoy some downtime. Oh yeah, and did I mention that my favorite college football team beat its arch rival this weekend? So that kind of makes things even better. Oh, and something just as exciting. My arch rival is going to keep their head football coach for at least another year. That is exciting. So as I told you guys, I've got another hot pot of turkey mulligan stew today. So let's jump into this thing. Now, the first topic was recommended by Jeremy Vincent. Jeremy actually made several different show topic suggestions a while back, and I want to cover one of those for you guys today, and that is turkey guns. You know, I've covered this topic partially in a previous episode, but Jeremy asks some pretty good questions that I want to address specifically. So the first thing that he wanted to know about is a camo gun versus a a black gun jeremy i have killed i can't tell you how many turkeys with my 12 gauge browning gold hunter that i have affectionately named black death i named it black death because it is solid black and it's death to a wild turkey now having a camo gun for turkey hunting is not Absolutely necessary. But I'm going to say that having a camouflaged gun has to be advantageous for us. We are in the woods hunting an animal with much better eyesight than we have. An animal that has the word wild in its name. And anything that we can do as hunters to give ourselves an advantage in the woods over a wild turkey, we probably should do we don't have to wear camouflage clothes when we go hunting there have been lord only knows how many millions of turkeys killed before camouflage was ever invented but i feel like personally i'm at more of an advantage if i'm dressed in full camo and i probably would be at more of an advantage if i were hunting with a camouflage gun instead of a solid black gun, but if I sent Black Death off to get camoed, I'd have to change her name, and that name is just sexy. Really and truly, most of the time, the way that we get busted by a wild turkey while we're hunting is not because something that we have on sticks out or is noticeable, but because that thing that sticks out or is noticeable, moved. Most of the time when we spook a turkey, it is the movement that spooks turkeys. Yes, it could possibly be the glare off of a gun barrel, the glare from our eyeglasses, the glare from the glass on our watch that has gotten exposed, maybe a necklace or an earring, anything like that. If it catches any kind of a ray of sunshine and reflects any kind of light, that could be something that spooks a turkey but most of the time what spooks that turkey is not a black gun over a camouflage gun it's the movement of that black gun and it's the movement of that camouflage gun now we have no way of knowing this for sure but i think that we can probably get away moving a camouflage gun more so than we can a black gun on a turkey in fact i'm going to take this a step further since No one can prove or disprove this, to be truth. Why not take it a step further? (laughs) I think that we can get away with more movement if our gun is not only camoed, but if we've added some sort of depth to that camouflage. So what I mean by that is we can try to use maybe some sort of leafy camouflage or We can go to Michael's or Hobby Lobby and buy some artificial ivy and attach the leaves of that artificial ivy to our guns and probably wouldn't hurt to attach some to ourselves as well. The only downside to attaching anything to your gun is that it may impede you from being able to make a quick shot or if it falls across the barrel keep you from aiming the gun neither of those are a good thing. But think about it. If a wild turkey got scared and ran off every time leaves in the woods moved, I think they'd be extinct because they all would have had heart attacks. And one more thing to think about, how many of a wild turkey's natural predators are covered in leaves? I don't believe there's a bush or a tree out there that has attacked a wild turkey before. So adding that third dimension Attaching some leaves to our guns in some shape, form, or fashion can probably help us get away with a little bit more movement than just having a black gun out there in the wide open. Personally, I don't have anything on my guns. My 20 gauge is black and my 12 gauge is black. I don't use any sort of camo on those at all. Now, one of my turkey hunting buddies, Todd, he has actually spray painted his gun. He's camoed it up. Well, kind of. A lot of the camo has worn off, but he used spray paint, just a flat spray paint. Green and brown. I don't think he used any black because there's black on the gun already. And tan, and he spray painted his gun, which we have affectionately named Ugly Betty because she's the ugliest girl at the ball, I'll promise you. And I've rambled on about this for quite a while, but to sum it up, All things being equal, I believe a camo gun is better than a black gun. But I'll take a black gun that patterns good over a camo gun that doesn't any day of the week. All right, so the second subtopic that Jeremy wanted me to cover on turkey guns is barrel length. And regarding barrel length, I... Am of the opinion, as are quite a few people, that when turkey hunting, barrel length has very little effect on our pattern. Not enough of an effect to warrant having a four or six or eight inch longer barrel than what we really need. With today's incredible technology in shotgun chokes, and incredible technology with shotgun shells, What we lose in our pattern by having a shorter barrel shotgun than a longer barrel shotgun, we can make up for with chokes and shotgun shells. Now, I'm also of the opinion that if this is not going to be just a turkey gun, and it is going to be a duck gun, and a dove gun, and a pheasant and quail gun, any type of bird gun, a longer barrel is a better barrel. To me, a longer barrel shotgun, it just gets on target easier on flying birds. And I actually think they're weighted a little bit better for moving shots. When I'm turkey hunting, I want to lose as much weight as I can, and I want to be able to maneuver myself around in the woods as easily as I can. If I'm carrying around a six and a half foot long shotgun, and obviously I'm exaggerating there, but if I'm carrying around a shotgun with a 28 inch barrel in the woods, I'm getting caught on every vine that I try to walk under, every tree branch that I try to walk under, and when I'm sitting down and I'm on a turkey and I have to move the gun to get my sight on that turkey's wattles before I squeeze the trigger. I run the risk of bumping more saplings and more vines and more weeds and more tree branches with a longer barrel shotgun than I do with a shorter barrel shotgun. Jeremy, go with the shorter barrel. You'll enjoy hunting with the gun more. It will shoot Almost as good as any longer barrel shotgun does. And yes, you're going to lose a small, very small percentage of your pattern. But the right choke and shell combo will definitely make up for that. So the third subtopic that Jeremy wanted me to touch on regarding turkey guns is one that we probably have all struggled with at some point in time. And that is three inch versus three and a half inch. Now, what I'm not real sure that Jeremy wants me to touch on is, are we talking about three-inch or three-and-a-half-inch shells or three-inch or three-and-a-half-inch chambered shotguns? And I think he wants me to touch on the shotguns, but I'm actually going to touch on both because I think it's important that we do. So let's talk chamber first. All right, I can cover this topic in one sentence, get a a three-and-a-half-inch chambered shotgun but i'm not going to cover that topic in just one sentence because i'm going to explain why so the longer chamber on that three and a half inch shotgun obviously gives you more shotgun shell options if you buy a three inch chambered 12 gauge you can't shoot three and a half inch shells in it and if you can't shoot three and a half inch shells in it then how are we ever going to know if we could have gotten maybe a 25% better pattern with 3.5 inch shells over 3 inch shells. One other thing that needs to be considered, and I don't know this to be a fact because I've never tested it out, but I have had numerous people tell me that this is true. Most 3.5 inch chambered shotguns pattern 3 inch shotgun shells better than they pattern 3.5 inch shotgun shells. So Andy, if that's the case, why would I want a three and a half inch chambered shotgun over a three inch chambered shotgun? Why don't I just get the three inch chambered shotgun and shoot three inch shells out of it? Again, you'll never know. If your three inch chambered shotgun will shoot three and a half inch shells better than it would three inch shells, because you can't shoot three and a half inch shells in a three inch chambered shotgun. So for not much more money when you're purchasing a shotgun, consider paying the extra and getting the larger chambered, three and a half inch 12 gauge over the three inch 12 gauge. Again, I think with the right shell and choke combination, you'll be very happy with your choice. So let's talk about shotgun shells for a second. Go with a three and a half inch chambered shotgun and pattern two and three quarter inch three inch and three and a half inch shells from the same manufacturer and make sure they're the same shot size so that you can see what difference there is in your pattern and use that knowledge to decide if the shorter shells and less dense pattern is worth the sacrifice of a bit more recoil and more dense pattern of a three and a half inch shell. If you're only getting a 5% better pattern with a 3.5-inch shotgun shell over a 3-inch shotgun shell, that's probably not worth the extra recoil. But if you're getting a 25% better pattern with a 3.5-inch shotgun shell over a 3-inch shotgun shell, yeah, you know, to shoot that 3.5-inch, what, 2, 4... 10 times over a turkey season, so what? I'll take my bumps and bruises from shooting that bigger shell for a 25% better pattern. Oh, yeah, and just a little aside, something to put in the back of your brain when you do take your gun with those different length shotgun shells to the range to pattern it, start with the 3.5 inch and work your way down to the two and three quarter inch. Your shoulder and your brain will thank you for it. Oh yeah, and one other thing, if the recoil from those three and a half inch shells really makes you not want to shoot them, then consider getting an aftermarket recoil pad. One that absorbs the recoil a lot better than the one that comes on the gun. A lot of shotgun manufacturers don't use the best recoil pad out there, the most shock-absorbing recoil pad on the market. There's several of them out there. Take a look at them and try them out. It's the kind of thing that you can put on your gun and shoot, and if you don't notice a difference, if you don't notice an improvement, box it up and ship it back. Return it to the store, no harm. No foul, as long as you didn't break it, of course. All right, so Jeremy, if you want some more detail on turkey guns, then... I go over many more topics related to turkey guns in the turkey gun course on Turkey Hunting University. So go to Turkey Hunting University and check that out if you want some more information about turkey guns. And it's kind of a hands-on, hey, here's three different turkey guns. Here's what's good about this one. Here's what's good about this one. And here's what's good about this one. These are things you may want to look at when you're trying to choose a turkey gun for yourself. Okay, so our second topic or ingredient for our turkey mulligan stew today comes from none other than Joe Casalco. Joe made the topic suggestion for me to cover portable ground blinds for run-and-gun turkey hunting. So what exactly is that that Joe's asking about? You know, those lightweight camo fabric blinds with aluminum ground stakes? They're about, oh... 24 inches or so tall and can be set up or taken down in a matter of seconds and provide a little extra concealment for us as a turkey approaches our setup, that's what he's talking about. And there are a wide variety of these on the market currently. For example, Hunter's Specialties makes one that has three aluminum stakes that stick in the ground. It weighs about two pounds and it is 27 inches tall and 12 feet long. It sells for about 20 bucks and has an average three and a half star rating at Sportsman's Warehouse. Ameristep makes one that has the push out and pull in hubs for quick takedown and setup. This one is about 25 inches tall and is 91 inches long and I was surprised to see this it weighs 1.8 pounds. I figured with the hubs that it would weigh more, but it only weighs 1.8 pounds. That's pretty strong. And it has one five-star rating at sportsmansguide.com, and the cost of that blind is about $30 on that website. I'm not telling you that these are the best prices out there. I'm just saying that very quickly, very briefly. All right, that is all that I have for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of this week's episode, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. And in order to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast, all you have to do is text the word Turkey Hunter, make that one word, text it to the number 44222 and then follow instructions from there. Eventually, I'm going to email you a link that you can click on, even on your mobile device. You can click on this link, set up your username and password to the Podbean application, and pay the $18 per year premium subscription charge for the Turkey Hunter podcast. Now, your $18 subscription gets you Not just the premium content for this week's episode, but it will get you the premium content for all of our past episodes and the premium content for the next 52 weeks as well. There is a ton of content out there for you guys that is locked up for our premium content subscribers, and we would love for you to join the family. Hey, before I let you go for the week, though... I was hoping you'd do me a favor. My favor this week is a little bit different. If you would, please post the link for this week's show to any and every hunting fan page on Facebook that you are a member of. That would be a humongous help for me, and I'd be very appreciative if you would do that. So... Just go over to the turkeyhunterpodcast.com, click on episode number 213, get the URL for the free episode from the top of the webpage there, and post that URL with some sort of a sweet comment to any and every hunting fan page that you are a member of. Thank you in advance for doing that, and also, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review and make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, strategies,